Rory has just found Top Gear. There it is. There's your champion. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Major Talk with Pinnacle, the golf betting podcast that has been covered the head of every major throughout 2021. I'm your host, Chris McCarthy, but as usual, the two people that will be doing all the legwork, Sky Sports golf analyst and former ladies tour professional Sophie Walker, whilst David Lynn is back with us, where he will share his expert insight and analysis ahead of the year's second major, the PGA Championship. Sophie, David, uh, welcome back. Um, first off, how have you both been since we last spoke? I mean, things seem to be looking a bit brighter now in the world. Things are on, things are on the up. Yeah, from my point of view, I did my first live commentary today for Sky, so that was nice. Unfortunately, I didn't travel to South Africa. I did it from um, I did it from London, so we're not there yet because of COVID. But it is nice to get back into the box. Nice, and uh, Linny, what about you, pal? Yeah, uh, nice to be back. Uh, yeah, just been busy with a few bits and bobs and. Uh, Managed to actually get out on the golf course today, which is my second game in seven months. And surprisingly, I was quite chuffed, really, with how I hit it. So, back in, um, form, back in form, then, Pat? Not quite back in form like 2012, as we'll probably hear in a minute. But uh, no, it's, yeah, I do need to get back out on the course a little bit more, try and get ready for this seniors tour. Now, today's uh, podcast, as mentioned, will uh, focus on the second major of the year that begins next week, which is the 2021 US PGA Championship. Um, it returns to its usual May setting after being pushed back to, to August last year due to COVID. Um, it also returns to a familiar venue, which is the Kiawa Island in South Carolina. Um, but before we delve into the betting markets and search for some value for our listeners, we can't look ahead without looking back what was an up and down and somewhat crazy US Masters this year. And it's a Masters for Matsuyama. First player from Japan to win this Masters tournament in the 85th plane. A country celebrates a dream realized. And what a moment for that man. Hideki Matshwama eventually slipped on the green jacket come the Sunday. Matshwama was a big price with Pinnacle pre-tournament to do so at 52.0, which equates to 51 to 1 for listeners who prefer more conventional fractional odds. Uh, Sophie, I'll start with you. Firstly, what did you what did you make of what unfolded at Augusta and how did your predictions and bet, bets end up going? Well, Matsuyama is the guy that I would say three to five years ago, we all bet on him for the Masters. He was, his game suits it so well. Um, the reason I think a lot of us missed him this year was his form hasn't been standout, I suppose, but his game does really suit Augusta. I didn't, didn't meet anybody that had bet on him um, for the 2021 Masters, but there would have been loads of us that had talked him up for ones maybe five, five years ago. I felt the rain on Saturday afternoon really played into his hands and that's where he ran away with the tournament. But yeah, I picked Justin Thomas and I mean, he made an eight from about 70 yards on a par five. So that just really cost him the tournament. Um, a lot of people were 
after Justin Thomas to do well that week. So it was disappointing. Um, I think the book is certainly won on the first men's major of the year. <laughs> I, I believe I believe they would have. And, uh, and David, uh, what, were you, what were your thoughts on what we saw? Because, I mean, Sophie just actually mentioned it, then she the words out of my mouth. But uh, I've spoken to a few people who kind of like betting on golf and things like that, and they pretty much said that every other year they've been backing Matt Schwarma and this year they didn't back him and then he goes and wins it which is always the way isn't it? I know how many times does that happen but no I mean it's absolutely fantastic for the world of golf for Japanese golf uh, I mean very worthy winner great player world class and he disappointing for Justin Rose really thought he was going to do it uh, and, that, and as for my pick uh, Bryson DeChambeau who uh I think his quote is in last on it's past 68 for him. I mean, he, he didn't uh, fare too well at all, did he? But uh, no, pleased, pleased for uh, Japan there with that one. And uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be looking to add to his major tally, I think. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there was a few players who uh, kind of underperformed um, from what we saw, and I was on a couple of them which uh, didn't didn't go down too well. But um, well, moving on uh, to the year's second major, as mentioned, we have the uh, the PGA Championship upon us. And this is a tournament where David actually finished runner-up back in 2012 behind Rory McIlroy, uh, thanks to two weekend rounds of 68, I believe, David. And uh, in what was his only second major appearance as well. So uh, kudos, kudos for that one, Lenny. Uh, fair play on there. And uh, <laughs> I'm just going to read off some of Pinnacle's odds that stand out going into this year's tournament, where we have... Uh, some of the money coming in, which has been quite noticeable. Um, so John Rahm, current, currently the best and favourite odds of 11.39. Um, he's closely followed by Rory McIlroy, odds of 11.54. So borderline identical joint favourite. Um, after that, we have the familiar trio of Spieth, Dusty and Justin Thomas. They're around the 14 to 1 mark. Uh, whilst last year's winner, Colin Morikawa, is near 30 to 1. Um, I have been doing some work with Sophie this week on her article and she mentioned that Brandon Grace has recently hit a bit of form and his style was very much suited to the course. I mean, he is a whopping 182 to one in the outright with Pinnacle. Um, so I'll certainly be uh, digging deeper into that as we go through the podcast, Sophie. Um, but I'll start with you, David. Firstly, like, what do you make of them odds? And secondly, having been a, been a runner-up at the tournament, what does it take to win or do well, do well around this course? I think from the get-go when I arrived at Kiara Island, it, it just, it definitely set up in favour of the Europeans. You know, I mean, you're right by the ocean there. There's a bit of breeze and uh, you've got to be able to, to shape uh, and move the ball and, and keep it down. So for me, it was very much favour of the Europeans. And, and, you know, the weekend started to, at the weekend, it started to really pump with the wind. And obviously, you know, growing up playing in places like Scotland, Ireland and that, I, I, I've learned to knock the ball down and quite comfortable. And, you know, lo and behold, a race of 68 over the weekend and that really flew through the field. So for me, I, I'm going to be looking for guys, uh, you know, who've grown up in it, like your Shane Lowry's or your Tommy Fleetwood's. Uh, you know, those sort of players, I'm just going to have a quick run through the list in a minute and see if any more, you know, even the young Scottish, well, not a rookie, I think he's in his second year, isn't he? like your Robert McIntyre. I mean, 
I, I really fancy people to go well who have grown up playing in the wind. It really is that sort of rugged sort of test. Looking at the, um, the, the style, it's like an American style links, isn't it? So the grass is different. There's been a lot of talk about the Paspaluum grass compared to uh, European grass. What's the difference in that, that type of grass on, on the coast of America? And why do you think it, it's going to favour some players? A lot of people are pointing to um, the Maracoba, how people are playing well at that, Puerto Rico, uh, Puerto Rico Open. What, what do you think that grass style, what do you need to do, especially short game-wise? I mean, the thing around there, short game-wise, there's quite a few holes where the, the greens are sort of built up and there's sort of lovely runoffs. I mean, those that just drive you daft, you know, you hit a great shot in and next minute it just catches a slope and it's off down. And you've you've, you've got to really have your short game with you as well. Uh, Grass-wise, I, I can't really remember too much about the grass, but sort of when you travel around a lot and whatnot, you sort of get used to playing. Not that I would know a particular grass by name like yourself, uh, uh, I'm not sure. Is that a Riviera? Is that, is that sort of... The, yeah, where it's, the... more of, it's more of that... Um, it's like the sticky grass. So you, you know, on a Lynx course, you're thinking, right, I can play a bump and run. Rory yeah. spoke about it on the greens. Now, the greens can almost get a bit sticky. Um, it, and as much as you want to feel like you're playing along the ground because it's Lynx, you, you yeah. still have to have all that variation. So he's spoken about he's a member at the Bears Club and it's that same type of grass. And we talk about the players that grew up on that grass and practice on that type of grass. Um, I've been doing the South African Open commentary and you can definitely see the, the difference in the struggle between the Europeans playing on that grass and then the, the South Africans um, that, that clearly love just, just doing the lob shot, really. So it, it, looking at what everyone else is saying, everyone's talking about the wind, but they're also saying about that, that type of grass. So... You want to be looking at players that are comfortable there. So uh, for me, that's what's pointing to kind of Victor Hovland, who's won both of those tournaments that I've just mentioned um, very recently. And you Brendan Grace then, growing up in South Africa. Played in Europe a lot. I mean, that's a good shout at that one. Yeah, but the, the, I mean, it, it sticks out. I was saying the price sticks out because his form, I mean, it's very up and down with, with Gracie. He had, a, he had that great couple of seasons on the European tour. and But then he's, he's bounced back with, with a win this year, hasn't he? So um, he's, he's a guy that, I mean, he shot 62 in a major around the Lynx course at the Open Championship. So he's, he's well used to being around really good golfers. Um, and also, he plays well on tough golf courses, you know, whistling straights. He's, he's done well there. He's had a third um, in 2015 around there on the PGA Tour. So, you know, I'm not saying, I think his odds are quite generous. It's because it's probably, it's not his stats and his form that back up. And a lot of people will be looking um, at stats and form. And that's where these odds come from. But I think once you get outside probably 40 to one you're then starting to look at players that that suit the golf course and I just think with Keir Island it, it's all it's it's such a different venue for a PGA it's almost like a, yeah, a US sure, yeah. Open venue. 
I mean, he doesn't. I mean, I mean, at that sort of price as well, it doesn't. He, I mean, he doesn't have to. When you're looking at the kind of like nine to one, ten to ones at the top end of the market, he doesn't even have to win it to basically get a good return off of that. Because I mean, if you're you could go each way, top ten at 182s, you're looking at a you're looking at a nice return kind of regardless, aren't you? In terms of so the golf course and the setup, Lenny. Obviously, we've we've seen in the press how it's the longest major ever. I'll just have a quick look at how, how long the yardage is. But what are the holes that we need to look out for? What um, what do you need to do well on that golf course in terms of driving the ball? I mean, it's 7,848 yards. Yeah, that's a mouthful. But, um, yeah, what do you need to do well on it? Do you know, one thing I remember is, well, so the, the saying it's only 200 yards longer than it was in 2012. And, and here's one for you. I am not a long hitter at all. I was very Mr. Average. So it sort of puzzles me that I've sort of done so well around there because when you yeah, start right. talking about a golf course that long, you start <laughs> then talking about crushers again, don't you? But yeah, obviously sure, not yeah. necessarily so around there. It was very interesting when you said that because when I was looking at the stats ahead of it and looking back at your win in 2012, it's it was kind of, I was not shocked, but I was like looking at, because obviously it's a long course and I was thinking, so this is like, you know, related, not quite to what, you know, kind of like the stats are backing up. So it did make a, did, yeah. did make a good bit of reading because everyone seems to be backing players like Bryson and Dustin Johnson, who are obviously long. So it is interesting to hear that as well. I mean, you're going to get the wind obviously blowing in one direction or the other. I remember you sort of go out and then come back past the clubhouse and back out the other way. And back again. So, yeah, there was there was holes where I remember going into the teeth of the wind and proper golf holes. And I think it's like eleven, and then twelve. So eleven's like a it's like a double dog leg par five, as I remember. And and as far as laying up goes, it was because normally, sort of, if you're thinking, well, I can't get up, I'll just plod one up there, easy par five. I remember it being quite a tricky sort of fraught with danger layup shot there as well. And then getting on to 12, I'm pretty sure I've got it right here. I mean, I was 11 to par five. I've got that right. I've never well, played it. We're on you for this experience. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're meant, you're meant to know that, mate. <laughs> the, the 12th, I mean, what a par four that was. I, I remember playing that into the teeth of the wind off the left and there's just water all down the right. And it was like you're hitting your driver as bullet as you can and then you I was going in with like four iron or something to a green, which just sat on the edge of the water. I mean, there was just no margin for error, if you, you know. And uh, and then the other one to look out is 17, which obviously was made famous after the 91 Ryder Cup. And uh, that's, that's always in your mind that you've still got that one to play when you're coming down the stretch. Uh, thankfully for me, it was my on my 71st hole. I made a two there just to sort of nip in front of a tie for third. <laughs> that was all right. So come on, Lenny, how much money was, did that two make you? Oh, it was, there was a few joint was... minus falls on the leaderboard. And, uh, well, to be, to be fair, I haven't, I haven't added up what it made me, but what I remember from was the fact that I could have very easily birded the last five. I mean, I hit it in the trap down the last off the tee and I had a seven iron in my hand coming out of quite a deep bunker so you can't see anywhere near the green I remember hitting this thing and thinking oh that's going in the right direction I think and 
came running out the bunker and next minute it's eight foot away. So yeah, it was it was a decent check. I know that. <laughs> You've always got some good stories, Lenny. So you did you play with Rory at all that week? And well, come on, tell me a story about Kiwa Island. Kiwa Island. Well, I suppose the best story for me is obviously I I think we had a delay, so I missed my flight out on the Sunday. And I was I played with the weekend with Harrington, who I've known since I was about 15, and, and my missus was walking around with his missus. So Obviously, I've finished where I've finished. I've been whisked off. And I just remember saying to me, Mrs., just try and sort some flights out. Try and sort some flights. And when I came back, I went upstairs, got a glass of wine in my hand. I said to me, Mrs., how are we getting on with flights? She said, we can't get out of here till Wednesday. So I'm like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, I'm still, you know, I'm obviously buzzing. And next moment, the Harringtons came walking out the players' lounge and, uh, Mrs. Arrington came over and she said, have you got on with flights, Sally? She said, oh, we're struggling. So we can't get out till Wednesday. And she looked at Padraig and then looked back at us and she started writing on a piece of paper, a number. She said, well, we're leaving for New York at 10.30 in the morning. If you'd like a lift, you're more than welcome. So I'm like, oh, God, that's brilliant. So off they walk. And my missus turned around and said, oh, isn't that nice? She said, I hope the car's big enough. And I went, you do or not? I said, he's offering us a lift on the plane. So, so sure enough we ring ring the travel agent there's thousands of flights out of new york so we uh we flew over to new york with the harringtons i hired a limo and we did the full day just going around new york in a limo and then flew home that evening so that's quite a nice, quite a nice little end to the week yeah, sophie i know I've been doing a bit of work with you this week um, with your article that you do for Pinnacle. And I've noticed that you really like the look of John Rahm. Um, obviously, we touched upon some of your other picks, but what's your reasoning behind that? And what kind of other players do you think we could look out for in the betting markets? He's my favourite, but I didn't actually think he'd be uh, Pinnacle's favourite until you sent me the odds just now. So that does surprise me because... Yeah, surprise me um, yeah, I know. Is he number three in the world? But he hasn't won this year. But it's more his stats are good. He hasn't had a win, but his stats are very good this year. And where he's played well. So if you think about it in the majors, he's not been he's been there or thereabouts the whole way through. He's Spanish. So what Linny was saying um, about being a European, he's got great records in, in, in open uh, Irish Open. He won that in 2017. He's come yeah. third at Pebble Beach in the US Opens. He's won around Tory Pines. His record there's fantastic. And it's just, it strikes me that this is a real tee to green golf course. And he is gaining 1.7 shots on the field every time he's teeing it up. And the PGA is one of those tournaments that I always think, it's where the ball strikers win or do well, you know, Linny, like you. But you're thinking like <laughs> Brooks Koepka, Jason Day, uh, uh, Duffner, Rory. I just think this is this is made for him. Um, and, you know, best player definitely at the moment not to win a major. It, it's just got to happen soon. So I'm not surprised that everybody's seeing what I'm seeing um, his style of golf, the way he controls his ball flight. I think his putter needs work. You know, he's changed manufacturers this year and 
it looks like they've almost designed him a putter that looks like his old putter. Um, and he's done some work on that. See, I see this week he's doing all right, the Byron Nelson. So he's obviously wanting to play his way into form rather than take a week off. Yeah. It's looking, it's looking good for him, but I, I'm surprised that he is he is the favourite. I really am, because normally you see DJ or Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau above him. So I just think this style of course has really pointed the finger towards John Ram. Yeah, I think that the um, I think there's been a bit of money coming from, and probably what you kind of said there is backed up by the reasoning for why we have had money come into him. Um, and yeah, he's like you say, he's quite well suited, so not 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 the worst pick. I'm uh, I mean, I'm interested as well to get both your thoughts on players who we have had seen money come in for, which we've just been discussing. Um, of course, this might might change by the time they tee off, but uh, there has been a lot of backing for. Linny's man Bryson. Now, at the Masters, he started very poorly. Then he drove his way back into contention at one stage. But I think I expect Sophie saying I think he might pull off a miracle here. But uh, I think he fell away, and I think he eventually come thirty fourth. Um, so now this is a bit of a different course to Augusta, um, and I'm presuming, like we spoke about, he's probably going to try and overpower it. Um, I mean, if you look at his stats, they're so varied. He's number one on tour in driving distance of 322.1 yards. I mean, that is absolutely colossal, isn't it? Um, that helps. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's also proven ability to go low. Um, he's evidenced by his, he's number one ranked in holes per eagle, which is 62.2. Scoring average of 69.6. I mean, then on the other hand, he's outside the top 50 in driving accuracy, which is 55.2. Greens in regulation percentage 68.8 and sand save percentage 53.57. I mean, the stats are just so varying. Like, I mean, I'll open the floor to both of you. He's a player who I personally am looking at back in here. The one thing that worries me, of course, obviously, is more about being long. But do you really think that, do you think he needs a better all round game than he currently possesses to win? No, I'll I'll say that one first. I, I don't. See, I backed him at the Masters, so I see uh, relatively still conditions at the Masters, which you do tend to get a uh, bit bit more open. So that's where I think his length can uh, play into his hands. But round round Kiawa, I if the wind blows, I don't see him featuring at all. I mean, those famous last words in it. But yeah. you start you start hitting it offline a little bit round there. You do. You can get it into some proper scrub. Uh, is it? Is there a chance of four flat, calm days when you're right on the ocean? There, I don't think so. And I just don't see him as a wind player sort of sort of thing. You know, like uh, yeah, sure. yeah. For, for me, uh, again, sh- another yeah, short game. Uh, you do, like I said before, there's some lovely little runoffs. So you you have got to have a bit of a short game with you. I, it's probably one of the reasons I did okay around there. Well, a bit, a bit better than okay, but uh, <laughs> I I did my short game. I I relied quite heavily on my short game. I, I did think I had, a, I had a very good short game. So when uh, courses were quite hard and you were having to grind that sort of tended to favour me a little bit as well. But yeah, I, I, I'm not happy with Deshambo, to be honest, around there. Uh, famous last words though, yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so the uh, the thing I'm taking from that then is that so our listeners will need to keep if you're back in Deschambeau, keep an eye on the uh, keep an eye on the weather forecast. But uh, what's your yeah. uh, what's your what's your thoughts, Sophie, on uh, Bryson's chances uh, ahead of next week? Tend to agree with Linny. I really do. It's he's a bit one dimensional dimensional at the minute, which is great to watch. But I feel like Kiwa is going to be more creative, uh, controlling your ball flights, trying to find those pin locations. And by what Lynn is saying, you, you do need to hit the fairways um, rather than just smashing it and then trying to find it. Yeah, sure. I saw I saw an interesting stat as well. It'd be interesting to get both you guys' opinion on it, which was um, I, I, when I was looking up, it seems as if it's a kind of a young a young man's course. I don't know if that's even a thing, but I think it was eight of the last 10 winners are all under 30. And it seems as though um, a lot of the winners are under 25 as well. Is that is that something that would be a factor in terms of people, especially if people have maybe placed in bets or is that just totally irrelevant and just kind of a total relevant stuff? Well, if that is the case, my uh, Victor Hovland's looking good, isn't it? Because he's a youngster, Norwegian, European. Um, My Acoba Classic won that, won in Puerto Rico. And this guy is an absolute machine. I mean, he's just come off tied third at Wells Fargo. Um, He's second in birdie average. He's hitting it 300 yards, but he's hitting fairways, 64% of fairways, which is good for the um, PGA Tour. I like this lad. I, I think his short game, um, even he admitted last year it needed work. But looking, I don't know what his stats are, but I've been watching him obviously on the TV because he's never off it. He's always at the top of the leaderboard. That looks to have really, really improved. Um, yeah, he's won the US Amateur and that was around Pebble Beach. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going on with Hovland. Um, and his odds are nice you know they really are and you could definitely see it being like a Colin Morikawa last year where it's it's just the next step and you keep saying to these youngsters oh they need time to learn out on tour but these guys don't they're ready to win straight away. I was just going to say you know another thing with these ocean courses is you can be very reliant on the draw as well you 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 need to have a little bit of luck because you can sometimes go out, can't you, for the first few hours in the morning and there's nothing there. And then that when that wind picks up, it's just a, t- a totally different golf course. And yeah, I mean, it, yeah, definitely worth looking at the weather, uh, what that's going to do. And uh, I was just looking over the list again, actually. And, and uh, here's a name that's uh, been very quiet of late, but grew up on links courses in the wind and all that European Tommy Fleetwood I mean where's he in the runners and riders down there he's just above he's in between Will Salatoris and Tyrrell Hatton which I would say at the minute is is about right so 44s yeah so yeah I've seen a few people uh tipping up um Salatoris as well who he sits pretty much in a kind of a similar kind of position in terms of the odds to as well um and that uh, that stat, Sophie, was correct. So basically, I think it, so I just brought it up. It's eight of the last ten USPGA winners are in their twenties. Two of the last ten USPGA winners are in their thirties, and zero of the last obviously ten USAPGA winners are in their forties. So it just seems like it's a it is a it is a young man's course. It's just you know, I was kind of quite interested to get you guys' opinion on because it didn't, it seemed a little bit irrelevant to me. But it seems almost 
a reoccurrence that's happening a bit too often to be irrelevant. So it was good to get your uh, your insight your insight into that. I want to know what everyone's thinking about Rory because he's just jumped to second favourite. <laughs> now, he wins the world um, at Quail Hollow just recently, Wells Fargo. He's won that three times in a row. He's on for three, oh, not in a row, sorry, three times. He's won two PGAs, obviously one of them round Keir Island. Is this horses for courses with Rory or do we think he's uh, on the comeback? It's certainly not going to feel bad, is he, stepping up uh, round there? He's, I mean, he did win by a, a proper margin as well, didn't he? So, yeah, it, it's... He needs another major, doesn't he? He's, what, what's he gone now? Seven, eight years without a major. Mm. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's got to be due, hasn't he? And, he? and he's just popped that win in just to give him a proper buzz now, ready for going to a place where he's won before and won by a lot. So you, you are, as if you were going to go for someone to win it and have a few quid on, you, you're hard pushed to go past Rory, aren't you, really? Yeah, why was he, obviously, you know, he was the only player in double figures when he won at Kiowa. What, <laughs> what stood out to you with Rory's game that week? Well, I, I didn't see anything of it. I just I just know that uh, he, he just, yeah, he just never let go, did he? He just, he just kept pressing on and on. And like I say, the weekend, it was really windy and... I think me and him pretty much scored about the same. He might have only done me by one shot, maybe. So for me, I sort of, yeah, the, the, my opening two rounds, which which weren't too bad, uh, were, uh, well, yeah, it's obviously uh, second place. Yeah, he, he, he's just got, it's just like I said, I remember coming off that week, it was very much not unsurprising at all that you saw the Europeans, I mean, Poulter was up there, Rosie was up there, as I remember. I can't, I can't remember. It yeah, was just Donaldson, was up there. Donaldson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, it just played right into the hands of European boys. And and again, I mean, when's the last? We did have a little purple patch with Europeans winning the PGA, but yeah, in terms of uh, British lads winning it, it's it's been a long time, hasn't it? And uh, in fact, God, you're going way back, aren't you, to early 1900s. There's been a Northern Irishman win it, hasn't there? But obviously in Rory. But I think Kiawa plays right into the hands of Europeans over Americans. And yeah, uh, it be well, the proof will be in the pudding this week, won't it? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, like you mentioned, we did speak about it on the last pod with, uh, with Rory about kind of, I think we, I think, James mentioned that his dad said he'll never win at Augusta and things like that. But obviously he has won here before. So it proves that proves that obviously he can he can do it. Um I'm taking that what so obviously with that in mind, do you guys give him a good chance of winning this week? Is it like from the way you're both talking, it seems like you you're quite positive on his chances. Absolutely for me, yeah. yeah. He's he's my favourite, yeah. He the fact that he's just won. So all that sort of dodgy golf he's played for however long it was I mean that's all totally I know it's not even dodgy golf is it but uh, that's all gone now isn't it it's erased he's he's back in the winner's circle and he's back 
where he belongs and I think he'll be relishing the thought of going back to a place he's won before and won well. And also just to add to that, he speaks about needing a crowd to get him pumped up and at the US uh, PGA, we've got 10,000 fans a day, which is not a lot, but it'll feel like hundreds of thousands to those players. And Rory, you could see him at the weekend. He really enjoyed the fist pumps and everybody cheering him on. And when that lad is bouncing, when he walks, I look out. I mean, to go to kind of our final kind of part of the podcast, um, Sophie, I'll go to you first. We obviously, the last podcast, we always like to, you know, there's obviously loads of analysis we can go and there's obviously a big field in golf. So you can, you can kind of go on forever talking about kind of players' games, et cetera. But who is your outright pick to win the PGA? And so if I'm, and we'll also take an each way bet who I have a feeling I know who you're going to pick on that. But uh, if, I, if you had to pick an outright winner and an each way bet, who would you, uh, who would you recommend to our listeners? Well, the thing is, John Rahm's favourite, I really do think he's, he, he's going to do well. Uh, if you want a bit of value out of the top few, then it would then be Hovland for me. Um, and then going down the list, yeah, we've said Brendan Grace, but check out someone like Daniel Berger. He'll go under the radar because he's not, I wouldn't say he's a popular uh, player to back. He's one at Pebble Beach, uh, controls his ball flight really well. I think this course will set up nicely to, for him. But obviously, <laughs> the big, big odds is Brendan Grace. But, yeah, I mean, if that comes in, then, yeah, I might as well just mic drop and walk out. <laughs> we'll, all re- we'll all retire. The, um, uh, and, David, what about what about you, Bob? Yeah, for me, it's it's Rory for the out, out, outright win. And what... What odds are Robert McIntyre at? Would he be a good, uh, good odds for? He's eighty-three. He's long odds. And and this guy, Scottish, you know, he's grown up in the wind, linksy courses. He's just had a big finish at the Masters. I dare say he he's got to be feeling like he belongs now, especially doing it at the Masters. Uh, his first he's Masters. This so week, isn't he? At, the, at the Belfry, so he's, he's on form. I mean, if you look where he sits in the odds, he's in between Zach Johnson and Alex Noren. I mean, that's madness. Yeah, one hundred eighty-three point yes. two is. That's a that's a big a big price. So he's he's going under the radar there. Surely he, he's he's worth yeah. more better than that. So that that's going to be my uh, little outsider. That's for, that's that's the sort of information we like to hear, David. The uh, picking the picking the value, but um, I I mean I was going to go with um, with Bryson as my outright pick, but you two have totally taught me out of that one. So uh, that's uh, that's that. In outside of kind of what we spoke about, and obviously the two picks, I know it's it is extremely hard to pick out an outright winner in some of these majors because obviously, like you mentioned, the amount of golfers that you have and. Kind of the prices. I mean, generally the favourites come in and sit around between the eight to twelve to one mark. Um, what other players are there that you would probably keep an eye on? So obviously you could potentially do a do five bets for each way, and they could all land. So is there any other players that you kind of like in the field? I know Sophie, you've got your article online that mentions stuff about that. But uh, David, any other players that you kind of take to your eye this week? Yeah, I mentioned him before, Tommy Fleetwood. He's been very quiet. Uh... I think he'll his game's well suited to this sort of golf course. Uh, again, a European, isn't he? Uh, somebody, Paul Casey. I mean, I mean, there's there's a 
kid who can play as well. I, I've always thought he would win majors, to be honest. He's he's played okay, hasn't he, this year so far? Again, he, he knows he knows what to do in the wind. And so perhaps those two, yeah, I like those two guys. If we're if we're gonna have an English winner, there's uh there's a couple of guys in re- with a really good chance. Gotta look at somebody that even if they do get bad side of the draw that has the um, ability not to be blown off the golf course and can manage it. So, um, you know, someone like Finau or Xander Schofle, they, they're, they're gritty players. They can play in tough conditions. Um, you know, that, that wouldn't surprise me if they're the type of player that if everyone else is kind of over par for that afternoon wave in the wind, they could get it round in level or under par. So I do think Linny's right. You, you might want to leave your bets until you've seen the draw um, because, yeah, the draw will probably be out on maybe Monday or Tuesday and obviously starts on Thursday. So check the weather, look at the draw because unlike the Masters, well, the Masters this year got affected by rain, didn't it? And that really put a spanner in the works for that leaderboard. Mm. So I can see it really happening again this week. Yeah, sure. And I mean, like, finally, just to touch on, I mean, the more kind of, I suppose what we'd say casual better might be looking at the US Masters and thinking, so Hideki Matsuwama, he won the Masters, well, he's going to win the US PGA. So um, kind of what's the insight in that? I know you touched upon it, um, David, earlier. It's like, so what is it in terms of if you're more of like the casual kind of golf better and you are kind of placing your bets on that, what is the major difference between these courses and kind of, looking at the way that they play out and different things like that. Is it if someone like Matt Schwarmer, would he have, would he, would you be backing him at this or is it something that he just kind of wins the master to be more relevant at the USPGA? What's the, uh, what's the story there? I think the thing is coming in, I know off the master's win, uh, you're going to be flying, but it's almost a bit, of, it can be a little bit anti-dramatic for you, can it? After the Lord Mayor's show sort of thing. And sure. so, I sort of wouldn't be looking to back someone like that. Uh, certainly after the major, I mean, Rory, we're talking about Rory, who's just won, but for Rory, this is, you know, this is what he lives for is the majors. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, that, yeah, that, like I said, that, that for me, if, if the guy, if he starts well, the uh, Matsyam, if he starts well, then yes, he might go with it, but he might be inclined to sort of, you know, if he gets out there in the wind and it's a bad draw and he starts letting a few shots go, I don't know. You can just sort of start thinking, well, I've got my Masters, Anna, from the other month. I'll just... <laughs> I suppose one Masters yeah. is enough, isn't it, for the year? Yeah, I mean, maybe that's just my, my way of thinking. But... <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, um, what about you, Sophie? You uh, Would you be ignoring uh, Matt Schwarmer or is it... And... What would you be? What would you be advising our listeners? Well, I ignored him for the Masters, and look what happened there. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he's been quiet, hasn't he? Recently, he obviously went back to Japan. I don't know. It's such a big deal in winning that green jacket for Japan, like Linny said earlier. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's going to be a weight on his shoulders or it's going to be a weight off his shoulders. I, I don't know. I think that's why I can't. I can't say to anybody, yeah, I've, you know, back him again, because I don't know how much this has affected him. 
in a in a good it's never it's never a bad way let's be fair but I think of him at open championships and he wouldn't be anybody that I would pick for an open championships and 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 I'm edging towards that type of style of golfer for this week yeah yeah sure I agree I mean uh I mean, that's about it for today. I mean, I hope our listeners have enjoyed the insight and analysis provided by Sophie and David ahead of the US PGA Championship. Um, if you do want to check out any of the odds that we have discussed today, they can all be found at pinnacle.com. And remember to always gamble responsibly.